I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with a brand spotlight on a unique, unique lighting company. You see what I did? Spotlight, unique. You know what? I'm just going to keep this in. This company is doing amazing things with light, and you're going to hear about that in just a minute. Okay, so seriously, I am not exaggerating nor embellishing what they do. They are a lighting company that creates mood space and time through light. Their work runs between hospitality, retail, entertainment, museums, and all kinds of other projects. This is Brett Anderson, creative director and uh, principal designer with Focus Lighting. Light is critical to an experience and in turn requires planning and placement to get it right. Brett Anderson, partner and principal designer at Focus Lighting, is who we're talking with today, and we're talking about lighting and application of the craft. We'll get to that right after this. For well over a year now, you have been hearing incredible conversations, interviews, and panels with amazing creative talent as part of our Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series presented by Thermosol. It has been and continues to be an absolute joy working with the entire team at Thermosol from the top down. This multi-generational family business has been producing the gold standard in steam generators, saunas, steam showers, and steam shower accessories for decades. Thermosol is the original steam shower with technology that is state-of-the-art, made and manufactured in the United States. The company's history with steam showers started by David Altman in 1958. Murray Altman acquired Thermosol's steam bath division in 1989, and the company is now led by Mitch Altman from their world-class production facility in Round Rock, Texas. The most successful designers and architects are using steam showers to maximize wellness, relaxation, and enjoyment for their clients. Thermosol is a staunch advocate for the design trade, and I am so proud to have them as a presenting partner of Convo by Design and the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series. If not familiar with the entire range of Thermosol products, please check out thermosol.com. First thing, I I was excited to talk to you. I wanted to, I, I love a good origin story. Um, you know, it's so interesting to me how people wind up doing what they're doing. And I'm, I'm fairly familiar with you and with the company, but for those not familiar, t- tell me the story. Well, the, the quick introduction is, uh, you know, as partner at Focus Lighting, I have the distinct pleasure of leading an incredible group of 35, uh, very talented, very creative, architectural lighting designers and project managers and incredible support staff. And, and kind of together, um, we, uh, we work and collaborate with owners and architects um, and interior designers to really make their projects um, come out beautiful. We specify and design uh, the lighting fixtures uh, for their projects. Um, but it, that's only really kind of scratching the surface of what we do. Um, and uh, the, the really the, a great lighting design is about diving much, much deeper. It's about talking to the owner and really understanding what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve. It's 
spending a lot of time with, with the design collaborators, the architects, the interior designers, and getting to the, the, their, their big idea, their concept, and really understanding that. And then once you've got that, you can then figure out a way to layer light and, and to make, to bring out their design and all the materials and the beautiful finishes that they use and create a, a composition for people to see when they experience the space. But if we do it right, if we do a really excellent job at understanding what they want, hopefully what we ultimately do is get people to feel something when they walk into a space. And that is, that's something when I, that, that's what I knew the moment I discovered that I wanted to be doing lighting in my life. Um, I think every, you can pretty much ask any lighting designer and they've got this sort of moment when they realize that they, the lighting is their thing. And um, I think mine, mine came about when I was in college and I was uh, going to school for theater design. And so I was doing scenic design and uh, a little bit of lighting, costuming, sound, the whole, the whole thing. And I sort of exploring it all. I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I was very much hooked on theater because uh, that was something I'd done in school and, and, and worked at a little bit of a, a, a dinner theater prior to that. Um, and I guess it was probably my late in my freshman year. Uh, I think the assistant technical director at our, at our school uh, said there's a there's a touring show of, of dream girls coming into town and they need some follow spot operators. Can you you want to come and join me to do this? You know, as a young kid, I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll do that. I'd never operated a follow spot in my entire life. It's um, not easy, is it? No. Well, no, I learned that pretty quickly. Um, so we, we, we go to the theater and, um, you know, this is this is a Broadway level touring show. And uh, so we're, we're there at the rehearsal that morning. And they, they put me in front of the follow spot and the, my uh, technical director is giving me a little bit of instruction and the, and we, we get to rehearsing and the, it's, it's pretty bad. I I'm all over the place. I'm in the audience. I'm on the proscenium. It's, it's, it, it was really rough. Um, but we, we did a little bit of work with the stage manager uh, during the rehearsal and um, they, they had told me I was going to be follow spot one. And uh, the stage manager said, you know, we need to, you have one big cue. It's in the second act and we need to do a little rehearsal. So they brought the lead actress out on stage and the cue was that um, I would be following her around stage with the follow spot, uh, covering her, lighting her whole body. And when the stage manager told me I was to tighten up my follow spot so that all I, all that was lit was just her head, which is tricky because it's, it's, it's a very small target on a, a, a long way away. So we practiced that and it was pretty rough at first, but I, I started to get it. So that night during the performance, um, you know, I, I, I got some of the jitters out during act one uh, and I got to act two and got to the point where the stage manager called this, this cue. And so I, I, I tightened up my follow spot and I, tried to hold the spot as, as, as carefully on, on just lighting her head. And what no one told me was that at that exact moment, every light in the theater other than my follow spot dimmed out. And so I am the only light on stage. 
And so I now realize this and I'm just sweating and trying to trying to keep this light focused on her head. And uh, I get the cue to widen back out again. And what I realize is that during this dark scene where I'm just lighting her head, she has pulled off her dark dress and revealed this incredible sequin gown. And so as I widen the follow spot out, she begins to twirl around and fills the entire theater with light like a mirror ball. And the entire audience erupts into applause and hooting. And the stage manager in the middle of all that turned to me and said, follow spot one, that applause is for you. And that was the moment that the emotion that that audience felt the power of just that simple follow spot making that change with the actress and with that dress, it was, it, it sold uh, me on doing lighting design forever. Um, I, I think it's interesting because in that example, you know, I have, I have thought for a long time that I've learned actually that design is, is a performance mm -hmm. and lighting is a, is a, the act of putting proper lighting in proper places is a performative act. And it's not something that we talk about a lot in design. And I think that uh, over the last couple of years, you know, it's funny and maybe you're the same way, but when we have conversations now, be it personal or professional, I've gotten to the point where I always find myself saying, okay, I don't want to talk about, the pandemic anymore. I don't want to talk about. However, at the same time, because it has so dramatically changed the manner in which we live, work, play, everything we do has, has so dramatically changed. And the home has so dramatically changed. And it's interesting because I remember once talking to a designer and doing an interview years ago. And I was going through some images that, that she had sent over. And it was kind of like a where's Waldo for me. I was like, oh, I didn't notice the lighting, you know, the under cabinetry lighting. And I didn't notice the side lighting on the mirrors. And I didn't notice the interior lighting within the mirrors. And I didn't notice the overhead lighting. And, and we just started going through and I was counting like five or six sources of light in a very small bathroom. And I just thought, wow, that is amazing. And I'm going by images, not by actually being there. And that's part of the the challenge is that unless you're in the space and you can see, unless you're in that theater and you can see the sequence shedding light all over the space, you don't get the full effect of that. And I think lighting is one of those things that it, it perhaps in the past hasn't, has been overlooked a little bit in design for other things, but it's, there's a couple of things now, you know, wallpapers having a moment, um, lighting's having a moment. And I'm wondering how you react to that. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. It's been a wonderful time over the last, um, it's longer than the pandemic. It's, it's been over the last maybe 10 years that um, lighting has gotten more attention um, by the general public. Um, it, for years, um, decades, um, lighting was thought about as another required piece of building infrastructure right alongside sprinklers and HVAC systems. And um, 
you know, the, it's, it's still a very young industry, lighting design. You know, it, it sort of has its foundation and roots um, in, in, uh, in the 40s and 50s with um, people like Abe Fader um, and Richard Kelly, sort of pioneers of lighting design. Um, uh, Abe did the design for Rockefeller Center um, and Richard Kelly did buildings like the Seagram Building in New York and Kimball Art Museum. And um, the whole generation of lighting design firms after that in the 70s, 80s, um, really picked up the, the ball that they, um, they put out there for us and um, started to make people more aware about the power of light and how light can influence and enhance how an architectural or, or an interior design is perceived. So fast forward um, to the invention of, or really the adoption of, of LEDs being used uh, for lighting. You know, we went, you know, almost a hundred years uh, using a burning filament inside of a light bulb. Um, and, you know, certainly there were advances in technology over that time, but um, for the most part, a filament light bulb was what a lot of people used in their homes. And then along comes uh, uh, the LED. Um, you know, I first started seeing and using LEDs around, I guess, 2000. And at that point, it was, it was only for color. It was the first color changing fixtures that, that we could start using as, as, as one of our tools. And I guess it was around 2010 where um, the public um, got introduced to the idea of using LEDs in their home. And, uh, you know, Philips Lighting uh, won what was called the L Prize back in, I think it was 2012, where they developed a replacement for the 60 watt A lamp. And that took off like wildfire because people, it was the perfect time for the public to um, uh, em embrace using less electricity, being earth friendly. And um, it, was, it was exciting. And it has only gotten more accessible and more um, the public has started to understand how they can use lights. A lot of that is the internet and the fact that people like you were saying before, have seen photographs of amazing projects and how light can influence those projects. Um, people are traveling more. Um, and so um, the bar has kind of been raised. And um, I think the really interesting thing that's happened over the last couple of years, since maybe in the last five, is that now lighting, whether it be color changing light or smart homes that are controlling light in new and easy ways in your, in your home. Um, basically regular people can play lighting designer in, in, in their living rooms and they can have multiple layers of light like you described that they can easily control from their smartphone. And they're starting to think about light in ways that they've never thought of before. Um, and I think that's super exciting because as I start to meet with clients, they now have a much better understanding of where we're trying to take them uh, with our design work. Um, so I, I see that continuing um, and I, I, I welcome it. I think it's a fun time uh, to be a lighting designer. That being said, how does that affect the business side of it? How does that affect the R&D? How does that affect the 
specification process on behalf of the designers? How does that affect how you now work with those specifying designers? Because I would imagine that as the focus on the product changes, so does the relationship with those who are using it. And there is a huge learning curve that goes into the sourcing and application of, of new product and materials. That's gotta be a challenge for a small team. It's a, it's a constant challenge. Um, you know, the, the, the difficulty of moving from a, a, a source like a filament light bulb to LEDs is LEDs are much more like computers. And, uh, and the fact that um, the, the LED technology is constantly evolving and improving at a very fast rate. And what that means is that, um, you know, a fixture that I specified 18 months ago might not be available anymore. Um, and so uh, it's a, um, a new um, level of attention on our part as a firm to be talking to all the manufacturers, um, not just fixture manufacturers, but um, you know, technology providers for those manufacturers and really trying to stay on uh, informed about the cutting edge of, of what's happening and what's being developed. Um, because it's, it's a huge, um, you know, everything from the fixtures to the control technology um, that is constantly changing and evolving and improving um, to how it's being um, added to smart homes and made just more accessible um, to the end consumer. Those are those constant changes are a, are a big challenge for us. And, and all we can do is uh, do a huge amount of research and talk to as many people in the industry as we can. Um, you, you, there's really no opportunity to stop because you, you, if you, you suddenly find yourself months behind um, if, if, if you let your guard down. I imagine too, that you have been forced into a scenario where you have to look for replacement vendors to respecify for certain projects because certain materials just aren't available right now. I'm wondering if there's a if there's a positive side to that, insofar as it forces you and your team to look at new partners and to try to reimagine previous partners and to try to figure out how to use old things, old things, how to use old things in new ways. Yeah, it's true. It's it's been a challenge. That's probably one of the been the biggest challenge in the last um, twelve to eighteen months is that you know all, all the issues related to supply chain and things like that. And it is a nice opportunity because it, you're right. It does it does force you to sort of maybe break out of um, sort of the standards that you've come to know and trust because you are forced to look elsewhere to solve a problem, uh, whether that be a a lead time problem um, or some availability issue. Um, so, you know, th there is, there is, I guess, upside to those challenges. And because I think it is um, helpful to always be reminded to um, sort of expand your knowledge and expand your exposure to all the different technologies. There is so much. And it, it's so interesting when I, um, when I think that I've got a pretty, um, wide grasp of what's out there 
and then I go and and I I talk to another designer, another design firm, and and they've I learned that they don't know a lot of the stuff that I've been pursuing, and and, and are surprised, and I learn from them um, what directions they're going, and, and and oftentimes it's it's you know things that I haven't seen before, and it's just um, shocking how um, for such a young industry how quickly it has grown and spread. Um, and how many um, uh, different options are that, that there are out there for us to specify. You're listening to my conversation with Brett Anderson of Focus Lighting. We'll be back in just a minute. If you've been listening to Convo by Design for a while now, you have heard me tell you about Article. Great style. Really, it's as simple as that with Article. Things have been challenging for design professionals and their clients for, what, two years, two plus years now? You know this already. What you might not know is that it doesn't have to be if you're looking for exceptionally beautiful modern furniture. Article provides a simple and easy way to creating a beautiful modern space because Article works direct with their manufacturers on production of unique and stunning pieces. Then they work directly by providing this well-crafted design directly to you. This direct relationship means you aren't wondering where your furniture is and you're getting it for an incredible value. What could possibly be better than that? In many cases, the shipping is flat rate, which means no surprises right? Even more, their culture and service are rooted in their core values, customer obsession, doing it differently, ownership mindset, winning together. If you're a designer, architect, or residential developer, you must check out their trade program. Discounts, special support, and exclusive perks. Article has the beautiful modern furniture you're looking for at an incredible price, at an incredible value, and you need to check them out. Check out article.com, or if you go to the show notes, there is a specific link which will take you, if you're in the trade, directly to their trade program. You have to see it to really believe it. Thank you, Article. How do you manage, you know, we're, we're in a, we're, the world has gotten very small. Um, how do you manage finding new vendors, new partners, new products in, in a time when, you know, lighting shows, have been canceled, you know, and lighting shows, you know, and I bring it up specifically as lighting because in the industry, every show hasn't happened. And I think many people didn't realize just how important those shows were. You know, it's so, it's fun to go to K-Biz. It's fun to, to go to the, you know, to the, go to the lighting show in Dallas. It's fun to go to Salone in, in Italy, but when they're not happening, Yes, you miss out on the fun. Yes, you miss out on the camaraderie. Yes, you don't get to see your friends in the industry before that maybe you look forward to seeing and going to the parties and reconnecting with people. But you also don't get to see the latest in product developments. And then all of a sudden, the next show that opens up and you can go, it's almost it's almost too much because now you're trying to take in so much and figure out how to use it. And there's a there's a lag time between the time the products are introduced to the market and the time that you can talk to your clients about specifying them in the learning curve. How, how have you ad adapted to that? Um, it, you know, it's really, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the lack of, of lighting shows and, and getting introduced to new product through those shell shows has been, has been difficult. Um, one of our favorite methods of, learning um, about new fixtures is actually a, a lighting show here in New York City called Education. And um, 
Uh, I think it, hopefully it'll return this year. Um, but uh, what, what was always amazing about education is, uh, you know, we've all gone to those big trade shows and they have giant booths and so many different products to, to take a look at that it's hard to understand where the good products are and, and who do you talk, who's the expert to talk to to really learn about what, what, what it is that makes that fixture or, or piece of equipment special. And what was amazing about education is it, um, it was basically a, an eight foot long table uh, and all the manufacturers had to be limited to, you know, what you could put on that eight foot long table and the amount of people you could put behind the table. And so you got to see the newest, greatest product um, and speak to the people that really knew it. Uh, and it was, it made it so much more accessible and easy. So since the pandemic, um, you know, we've really missed that. And the um, word of mouth is really, you know, talking to people as much as we can. Um, the manufacturer's reps are incredibly helpful. Um, you know, they're often, um, it, a, a good rep will understand the types of products we use and the projects that we design and will reach out with new um, introductions for us. Um, but I, I find just talking to other people in the industry uh, and sharing what we've learned. And then once we do that, they will often share with us. And it's amazing the discoveries we make. You know, we, we, we certainly can search the internet. Uh, we can Google things. We can see it's a very difficult. Um, I don't find that, that process is as successful as, as, as speaking to people who, um, who are in the industry and to hear what they think is new and interesting and helpful. Yeah, there's something else too about seeing what a light looks like and how it sh how it radiates off someone's skin tone, you know, and and seeing how it bounces off the walls and there's just something about light that is is just magical. You know, I, I know you know what I mean. <laughs> what what are your clients asking you for now that maybe they weren't asking you for a couple of years ago? Oh, I I don't know that there's a, a big change in most of our clients' approach. You know, I think there is, um, I think one thing that has um, changed, in, at least in intensity, is the amount of work that we're doing in people's homes. Um, you know, we have a large amount of our work is, is sort of commercial work, like restaurants, hotels, retail stores, but we also have a, a, a very strong private residential uh, clientele group. And that has, through the pandemic, has picked up um, and is, is really quite quite busy and, and robust. And um, it's been very interesting speaking to those clients and they are, they're investing in their homes in ways that, um, you know, may, maybe they weren't as intensely before the pandemic. Um, you know, obviously doing things like creating home offices, but just making spaces more comfortable because home is, is a more important space than maybe it was before the pandemic, um, where people were really splitting their lives between uh, work and home. Um, now home wants to be more comfortable uh, and more accessible and more easy to control from a lighting perspective. On, the, on our commercial side, I, I don't think things have changed, I, I think, um, or at least not much. They, um, you know, people still want special um, spaces to go to that are memorable. 
um, that the customers and guests can walk into and see for the first time and feel an emotion and, and remember that experience and tell all their friends. Um, so that's that I don't think much has changed there. I think there is an eagerness to um, it's an incredibly busy time in our industry right now. And that I think people are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel and they're getting excited about building new spaces so that people can come out of this pandemic and enjoy being together and experiencing things together. Um, so um, a lot of our clients are, are, are designing and building a lot of projects right now. Well, it's interesting too, because I think on the commercial side, you know, not, not to be disagreeable, but I, I think on the commercial side, I think a huge change has, has taken place, at least on the hospitality and restaurant side where, you know, now you have restaurants who had an indoor restaurant who now had to create an ambiance where there were parking spaces mm -hmm. and creating these new outdoor, outdoor spaces you know, you're on the street, you're, there is no, this wasn't taken into account when they were planning the development and the, and the design. I've seen some, I've seen some incredible MacGyveristic uh, <laughs> attempts at lighting uh, in particular, because that's, look, that's still part of the experience. I think on the residential side, you know, it's interesting because we're recording this, you know, we're, I'm using the audio. I'm not going to be using the video for this, but if you look at my video, I'm, I've been rearranging my office. I've still got my key. I've still got my fill, but I've also got a window behind me that I have to solve for. So my backlight is completely washing out everything. If I were recording this for the video as well, I would really have to make some additional changes. I, I feel like this is not going away where you know, you're still going to have to have that theater idea and craftsmanship into how your lighting is working so that your performance on Zoom or Skype or Microsoft Teams or whatever platform you're using still looks good. Has, has that become a new category for you? Or is that still just part of this, the design? It's just another element. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting point, and certainly, you know, as a lighting designer, I at, throughout the pandemic, you know, talking to friends and 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 uh, uh, clients, you know, they they do ask because they all struggle. We've all struggled with what is the lighting on our on our Zoom and Team calls, and um, you know, it's been it has been a nice way for people to start to see the importance of that key and fill light and how backlight sort of distorts how you're perceived on 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 a video. Um, but all in all, um, you know, you, you mentioned the, the lighting for sort of what, what we would call gorilla lighting outside in, in, the, in the parking lots that are being converted into dining rooms. Um, you know, the, the, the end goal of, of what those restaurant owners are, are trying to do is really not any different than what they were doing inside. Um, they're trying to create uh, a space that looks looks beautiful, that the people um, are comfortable and they look attractive, and um, and hopefully it's it's it drives some emotion that makes it memorable. The the, the it the the attention to um, the effective lighting I think is heightened because I think light lighting in those type of 
temporary um, spaces can help a lot. Um, but I think the goal is, is really the same. It's funny, as a lighting designer, and you mentioned this earlier, oftentimes a good lighting design is one that someone doesn't perceive and can't quite, they don't pick out the lighting. They just see all the materials and the finishes and the colors and the composition. And the lighting is just a supportive element there. Now it's, it's more than that, but that's um, what most people perceive when they walk in the space. And that's usually a compliment actually for, for a lighting designer. When, when, when you don't get any comments, um, it usually means you're heading in the right direction. Yeah, and and to that point, you know, there's the two types of lighting, right? The the types you see, the types you don't, and both craft the the ultimate the ultimate space. That being said, you know, I I think it's so funny because I love having conversations like this because there's been a process. We didn't go from incandescent to these amazing LEDs that we have now directly. There was that horrible CFL phase, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, which just awful, 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 you know? Um, but we've gotten to a point now where lighting is about so much more, you know, we're still at the, at the beginning phases of what else lights can do, having speakers embedded within, within bulbs, which almost, I think, will, will change perhaps the nature of, of what lighting actually means, because lighting is now connected to the brains of the house. So you can, you can change the lighting. You can have, you know, the same way that in theater lighting, you'll have setups for each scene. You know, now you can establish a scene. You have things like with, you know, one of our partners is Thermosol and they do steam showers. And within the steam shower, you have, you have lighting, you know, aromatherapy, you have chromatherapy, you have, you know, lighting actually adding to the, to the health aspect of what you do. You, you have speakers embedded in lighting. That's not so good yet, but I think we're getting closer but it's really interesting how, you know, a little while ago, lighting was something in and of itself, one specific part of an overall design. But it feels like lighting is taking on other aspects of design, much of which has been there in the past, but in different spaces. If you can disappear a speaker and make it part of a, a light bulb that you can then hide in some way, you you've done another job. It's going to continue to get better, but I think that's got to be really exciting for you. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the new technologies that are being um, imagined um, are, we're going to keep seeing incredible changes over uh, on into the future. Um, you know, I think though, that there is still, um, there's still a lot that the, the general public is learning about light. I think they're starting to experiment with light and the layering of light. Um, you know, layering is something that we as lighting designers are, are constantly thinking about. And 
Um, you know, when you mentioned the compact fluorescent, you know, the, the, the typical thing was a, uh, a light bulb in the ceiling in the, in the center of, of your bedroom. And uh, uh, it was a couple of light bulbs and, you know, incandescent light bulbs in there. And, and then they got unscrewed and the, and the really, really efficient compact fluorescents got screwed in. And the, you had this often very cold, not comfortable light, but pe people didn't love the feel of it, but they weren't quite sure maybe why. And that was a single layer of light, lighting a whole room. And I guess what I tell people when they're thinking about lighting in their homes is, is actually a few things. Um, always think in layers. Uh, and um, if you can have multiple layers of light in a, let's say a kitchen, so you have a light in the center of your ceiling in your kitchen, that's great, a sort of a base layer, but then you have under cabinet lighting. Um, maybe you have some additional downlights that light a wall at the end. If you can build and think of light in individual controllable layers, which it's very easy to control these now, whether that's through dimmers on your wall or from an app on your phone, then you can create those scenes that you were describing before that um, maybe there is a, a, a scene that uses all your layers in the, in the bright part of the day. And then maybe at night when you want a much subtler look, maybe it's only the under cabinet lighting uh, at, at dimmed down to 50%. And that type of experimentation and play with light, um, I think will, I think the public is starting to embrace that and is starting to be able to do that easily and start to see really what's possible in their homes, not just a professionally designed space, but something you can do, anyone can do in their own homes. I, I, I totally agree. And I, and I think that that's really interesting. I think on the other side of it, the same way, you know, not, not to get too far into the future, but I think that there are other things too, as it relates to residential, not just residential. I mean, this is both commercial and hospitality as well, but you know, I, one of the really exciting things for me and, and one of the reasons I, I love having conversations like this is because I, I feel like there are things happening right now in design and, and we're, we're on the, I don't want to say we're on the precipice. I think we're in, in the midst of some incredible feats in, in R and D and innovation and technology. You know, the, the scenes that, that we're talking about, I think with the with the adaptation of AI, you will be able. You know, there is a an artificial intelligence that will be predictive and be able to predict when these scenes are to take place, and it will do it automatically, which I think is is really exciting. I think also, and and by the way, I think that brings your experience as as someone who you know with experience in theater lighting. Theater lighting again is is creating emotion. It's creating scenes. It's creating an environment. It's it, it's amazing. And to be able to work emotion out of the lighting work that you do, I think, is just absolutely fantastic. I think the other part of that is it boggles the mind trying to imagine what's possible in the in the future as it relates to certain things. You know, just thinking thinking out loud, and perhaps it's a little silly, but you know, one of the aspects to residential design, depending on where you are with something as simple as say ceiling fans. Well, 
as fixtures get smarter, as technology gets better, perhaps there are there are micro cooling and heating elements within fixtures. So you don't have the spinning blades anymore, but you actually have something that's central within the room that can actually participate in the cooling and heat heating of, of the space, which will get rid of that, which means an element of design to take place of spinning blades. That's kind of exciting too, is it not? Sure. So I'm, I'm wondering too, you know, if you had to put your futurist hat on, what are some of the things that that you think, as it relates to lighting, that are going to be more prevalent in the near and not so distant future? Well, I mean, so the, the very interesting thing I've always thought about lighting is that it is this interesting mix of uh, technology and artistry. And so I think the advancements that you're largely talking about are on the technology side. And, um, you know, I, I think the, um, the integration of light and other items that you mentioned, I think will continue. Um, I think that sort of just adds extra tools into our toolbox as a lighting designer and for the regular consumer in their home. Um, I think the ease of control and the, the, the idea that whether it's through your voice or through the intelligence of AI and being able to um, trigger lighting um, and control it in a way that is intuitive and easy and, and almost without thought, I, I think is very exciting. With all that said, there is still the artistry and the human aspect of light and how we respond to light. That is, um, there's nothing formulaic about it. There's nothing in that, that uh, I, I, I doubt an algorithm will be able to, uh, to, to figure out how to make that happen. So there's, I think, and I hope that there's always sort of a human exploration of, of how you feel with the light in your space. And, and I actually think that that's, I think the technology and the advancements in technology are simply a tool that make the, the, the artistic side um, and the human side of lighting more accessible to more people. Um, you know, I, I would love nothing more than for um, everyone to be comfortable exploring, not just, you know, how bright your space is, but start thinking about the colors that are possible. I mean, this is a whole new world of, of how you can um, put light in your, in your space. And, and, and there's so many interesting colors. It's not just red, blue, and green. There's these beautiful ambers and, and softness of the, 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 the light from a sunrise that you can now um, recreate in your home. And it's fun to explore. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that we do on every project is experiment um, with light to do mock-ups. And um, one of the difficulties about light is it's not something you can see until it hits an object um, that you're actually lighting. And 
you know, there's amazing technology out there to do renderings and, and to, to show how a, like a hotel or a restaurant will look once it's lit. Um, but the truth of the matter is you, you don't really know exactly how it's going to look until you turn a light fixture on and light up that material or that finish and that color and see it with the angle of light that you're, you're proposing as a lighting designer. And, and I have a saying in the office that seeing is believing. And if you can see with your own eyes what the light is gonna do, then you believe it and understand it and can work with that. And the, the beauty about doing that process is that it's sort of a base for exploration and experimentation. And that, you know, we have an idea of what something is gonna look like and we turn the light on and we see it. And then we go, well, what if, what if, we, what if we change this? What if we move the light a little higher? What if we change the color? What if we don't use that material, but a slightly different material? And it becomes this whole exploration of how do we get closer to this ideal lighting and uh, design scenario that we have in our mind. So that translates, I think, really nicely to um, you know, regular consumers and people at home and that um, they should, I've, I've seen a number of people who are renovating a home and they just tell the contractor to pick some lights and, uh, or maybe they go to Home Depot or Lowe's and, and uh, you know, read the labels and, and, th and throw the lights in the cart and bring them home and hand them to the contractor to install. And I guess I would urge everyone, if you're doing a renovation at home or thinking about lighting your home, experiment, mock, mock up that lighting, buy a couple fixtures, Home Depot or Amazon, turn them on and see if you like them, see if it does, what you want it to be doing and move the light fixture around and, and see with your own eyes um, how it's going to be and, and keep playing um, until you find something that you're really happy with. Cause um, as professional lighting designers, we, we test um, a great majority of what we propose because we're constantly being surprised by all, all the variables, whether it be, something that can change on the lighting side or something that changes on the finish and the materials. Um, so that, that, that um, ability to play with light and experiment, I think is key to being successful with, with as a lighting designer or, or working with light in, in your home. Totally agree. And, and by the way, I, I so appreciate the time. I, I love that idea. And I love too, that, you know, you're not saying don't go to Home Depot, don't go to Amazon. And I think that that is kind of like where the, there's there's somewhat of a disconnect between the design side and the customer side, the client side, is that it's not always the product. Product has a lot to do with it for sure, but it's not always the product. It's the application of the product. It's the application and the knowledge and the skill that goes into placing and like you said, layering of, of product and lighting to, to create the scenes uh, that clients really want. So I, I love that and I appreciate that. And that's one of the reasons why I absolutely love conversations like this. And I've absolutely, that story that you started with, I, I love that. And I really appreciate the time, Brett. Thank you very much for the time today. You are very welcome. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Hello. 
Thank you, Brett. Love your story and the art you bring to life. For more stories like this, make sure you are subscribing to the podcast. You can find the show everywhere you get your favorite podcasts, but you already knew that. What you might not know is that there are literally hundreds of other episodes for you to binge on right now, so go check them out. Thank you, Thermosol, Article, York Wall Coverings, Franz Wigner, and Moya Living for your partnership and support. You are remarkable partners and amazing allies for the trade, and for that I thank you. And thank you for listening. Remember why you do what you do and that the business of design is about making better the lives of those we serve. Until next week, be well and take today first. 